The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to A Counselor's Point of View. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Our new series is called The Hebrew Covenant Marriage. This is a power-packed message that unfolds the original Hebrew design of God's view of marriage. And we are going to be making use of the original Hebrew language. And we are going to take a step-by-step snapshot of courtship, engagement, and marriage. This series offers practical and proven suggestions to those broken marriages, as well as expand on those healthy marriages. We hope that you enjoy this series. The lust of our forefathers wanting plurality of wives didn't have the option of divorce because divorce didn't exist. Therefore, they instituted polygamy and concubinage in order to fulfill the appetite of trying out different women. So it's like the David story. You know, he's standing out on his patio, and he looks over the patio, and he sees Bathsheba taking a bath. She is a happily married woman. I mean, here is her husband is out defending the country for her king. He was a good man. And David looks at Bathsheba and goes, gotta have some of that. So what's he do? He manipulates the events and tries to make it sound so you need to serve your king by stopping in with a bowl of fruit. I don't know how he got the job done, but she ends up bringing a bowl of fruit or something to him. And you know where it went from there, went south. Then he had to legalize it. Do you understand that? This is how it was done. So, to cover his rumpus, he had to have her, fa- her husband killed. Because if he didn't, a new set of consequences would take place and he would be at the other end of the stone. Well, as king, the apple of God's eye, that wasn't going to happen. So he hasn't killed. See, um, <clears throat> when you see... Uh, you know, Jimmy out there on the front line. By the way, if he's not on the front line, put him on the front line. Could you kind of like all of you leaving? Well, King, why why would we do that? Oh, he's just a bad asset. Just, you know. I mean, this is serious manipulation. He dies. And he takes Bathsheba as a wife. He has to. Puts him in a concubage, though. You know, little tents of women. You see, you only got six in this tent, so you'll be seven for this tent. Well, here's the amazing thing of God. Is someone tell me where Jesus came from? Through Mary, of course, her blood lineage. And even Joseph, his adopted dad. Where'd he come from? What's that? Who was Mama? Bathsheba. Even in one of the worst sins known to mankind... Double duos are always the worst. Murder and sex. Those are the worst. You mix them together and you have poison. Now, God says, even out of that mistake, choosing to sin, I will birth the Son of God. I don't care what your spouse has done or I don't care what you've done. You can experience forgiveness. And something very rich can come out of this. Here's the history. Leadership of that day buckled under... The pressure of the people and, legisla- and they legislated their lust. Polygamy and concubines were the 
entrance or gateway for divorce. Shortly after legislation of polygamy, divorce was instituted in order to keep God's law from monogamy. Marriage was instituted in the Garden of Eden when man was in his innocence. So now, they had to adjust the laws in order to entertain this lust. Instead of doing it the original way of one plus one equals one, what I'm going to show you here in a second is one plus one plus one plus one plus one equals one. So my wife and I have five of us in our marriage bed. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, my spouse, and me. It's a full bed. How we talk, what we do, all comes into play. But if you think you're in that bed alone as Christian husband and wife, you're being deceived. It's no wonder the enemy introduces funky stuff in our bedrooms. Because you think you're alone. And you are not alone. Either God's lying to us or he's telling us the truth. Says every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man is recorded in the book of life. Every nasty little naughty thing. Will we be judged by it as Christians? No. But it's recorded. I want the conversations that take place in my bedroom to edify Jesus Christ, my husband. That's what I want. I want what we do in that closed chamber to exemplify what Christ does to me when I'm praying alone in my prayer closet. doesn't always work that way, but that's my goal. In the eyes of the forefathers, this became the new and legal way to fulfill the lust and contentment of their hearts. Now the big question is, why would the enemy push so hard to legislate divorce? Well, it's kind of simple. Because if the enemy can break up the original design of one woman plus one man plus one father equals one flesh, he would then be able to ingrain into the hearts of man that one father plus one son plus one spirit equals one God is a lie. Do you understand that if the enemy can mess with the Trinity, he can develop 320 primary cults in the world? Those are primary. There's probably thousands of little wannabes. 320 primary cults. A cult is defined by they don't believe in one of the pieces of the Trinity. They believe in God the Father. They believe in Jesus Christ, maybe even being a Latter-day Saint or something. But they don't believe in the Holy Spirit being God or Jesus being God. You see, that's that's what the enemy is after. And he does it through marriage by destroying the institution of marriage where the children go, why get married? had a young lady in my office the other day, you know, I don't know, 20 years old or whatever. She goes, why, why get married? Why? So I can have that sickness? It's a good point. I could not defend marriage on behalf of her, her parents. So I have to show her something new, which requires a conversion. So it becomes the gospel. Secondly, he would, he would be able to convince the bride of Christ, that's us, that there is a possibility that Christ would forsake us, divorce us. So when Christ comes along and says, I will not forsake you. Well, if we grow up in families that have two, three, four marriages and, you know, divorce is an option if this doesn't work out, the children do tend to think that, you know, maybe, maybe Christ would leave me. Insecurity of salvation. 
Maybe he would divorce me. We call it insecurity of salvation or temporary salvation or you can lose your salvation. In reality, it is Christ divorcing you in this marriage unit. He's not going to divorce Steve Finney. I don't care how many times I go have idolatry on him. He's not going to divorce me. I'm just making my life miserable. But he's not going to divorce me. 70 times 7. I can have 70 times 7 idols in my life per day. He's still going to forgive me. And he's very clever. He's always after your children. Because you're already set in your ways. As statistics say, 10% of you will walk away with transformation today. The rest are just going to say, that was kind of interesting. I don't want to teach interesting stuff. It is transformation that changes cultures, that changes families, that changes a heart. Transforming into a new image. We don't need more information. We need more transformation. This history stuff just kind of gives you a little bit of a snapshot, kind of like watching something on the History Channel where you go, I didn't know that's where that came from. Well, that didn't change me watching the History Channel. What I do with it and who I believe it came from is what will change me. I can assure you there's hardness of heart in this room today. Probably in most of us, including me. Because see, we're not perfect. God doesn't just like soften the whole heart. I think he'd like to. It's done in phases and pieces. and Another little truth where you go, I didn't know that. I mean, a true discovery like, and God goes, let it sink in. A little, little further. Now you'll change. Instead of, that one's interesting. Do you agree with that, honey? Well, how's she going to know? How's he going to know? It has to be a revelation, inspiration, backed by Scripture of the Lord. That's why when I, when I see that happening in discussions, I go, how we're duped. Who cares what you think? Who cares what I think? Who, who cares? What does the Lord say? What do the Scriptures say? That's what matters. That's why I wanted to make that little statement about the degree thing. It's, it's kind of a joke because it doesn't matter. To know Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that's what matters. He's my husband. Whatever you say, honey. I spend hours and hours just ask my children, weekends after weekends, sometimes full weeks where I'm just, my face is before God, pleading with God for truth. I am tired of half-baked truth. And that's what we all should be doing, particularly heads of our home, pleading with God. For truth. And, he's been, and you don't have to get it, you know, special. Right? It's all right here. It's all right here. Most men surveys show it's increasing, thank God. But most men can't even quote a chapter out of a Bible, out of the Bible, let alone a passage. Some can't even quote a verse. They don't know the order of the books of the Bible. You say, what's that got to do with anything? A lot. Try to make that excuse with a cop when he pulls you over and says, well, I just, I'm sorry, officer, I just didn't need the, the driver's manual. I'm sorry. That's nice. That is, this is our responsibility to get to know our husband 
And he actually he wrote it down so we could start that process. Now, divorce is the human tool used by the enemy to try to break up the Trinity in the hearts of man. God the Father ordained the institution of marriage to set in concrete for mankind the fundamental truth of one father plus one son plus one spirit equals one God. The point is this. A husband and wife united in marriage combined to form one perfect human being. The one is is to complement and the completer of the other. Now I want to illustrate something for you on this. You've probably seen this illustration before, but Janie and I have used it for many years. And that is when you have two lineages here, legacies. My DNA in, in my body, and we're finally realizing this in science. It's actually stated in the Old Testament there's identity in the blood. Well, we just have a fancy way of saying it today called DNA. When God uses terms of sin of the forefather and blah, 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 he kind of knows what he's talking about. I know why Christ, one of the big reasons why Christ had to come is so that the power of that wouldn't affect me anymore. I could be set free from that. But see, when I met Jane, I was my own color. And she was her own color. And using the Hebrew word pictures, here's what we're talking about. Now, they didn't use dye from the pantry, but they used the term identity in the blood. And when you didn't want to mix blood with certain cultures, there was a reason for that. So, here's how it works. When our pastor said, I now pronounce you man and wife, God responded to that authority statement. And God literally did this. He joined us together as one color. What God has joined together, let no man's law separate. So that's why I've always been relatively safe in saying, I offer anyone today a million dollars if you can separate these colors. Can't be done. But you know what? That's what Jesus was saying. Well, in the beginning, it was not this way. I made you male and I made you female. And what God has joined together, let no man's law separate you. You, you cannot be separated. So when you, when you end up going, well, you want to bet. So what we do is we separate it out again, called the divorce. You're carrying the colors of those legacy into the next marriage. And those of you who have blended marriages know the struggles. And then you do that again with color after color after color after color. And what happens that even the human body begins to say, I can't do it anymore. One of my dear friends, I haven't spoken with him in a handful of years, but he wrote the book, The AIDS Cover-Up. And he helped me understand the science behind the disease. And he says, Stephen, I'm going I'm to make this really simple for you. Every time you join yourself with a human body, your body is required to adopt their germs. Your human body, this is scientists speaking, your human body is designed to accept one other set of germs. And it will wrap itself around those germs and become one. And you will almost have the exact same immunity system. And over a period of time, your DNA will so wrap itself around each other, you'll start to look like each other. 
Remember how we used to say that about our grandparents or whatever? There's truth to it. So he said, when you mix your body fluids with more body fluids, it's saying, I don't like this, but go ahead. Adopt oneness. Adopt oneness. You do it again. I don't like this, but okay. Adopt oneness. The human body, the color is getting darker and darker and darker and darker until the immune system says, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. No more. I have to die. Acquired immune deficiency. He says, Stephen, that's as simple as I can make it. I said, I got it. I understand why we're not to fornicate and have adultery. I got it. I want to go to my grave. Now, I was promiscuous before marrying my wife 30 years ago. So there's probably a little discoloration in there already. Sorry, Abby. But you know what? I want to go to my grave. I'm not arrogant, so lying against the truth, I can fall like anyone else. But my passion and desire is to go to my grave keeping that cup so people can see through it. Keeping the gospel clear. Understanding that Christ in me, the hope of glory, is clearly seen. But you know what? Here's the beauty of this. You could have had many wives or many husbands or many affairs. And God says, I'll purify you. I will clean you up. I will present you. So I had a guy in my office. He was on his ninth marriage. He wanted to go back to his first wife because she was available now. And he wanted to do the biblical thing. He really did. I said, you have to go back to the wife you just left and start these new principles. Oh, no, I can't do that. Well, why not? You live with her. Sorry, buddy, you've got to go back to her. And we'll start this brand new. So, me as a human, this is not Christ speaking, but me as a human, I don't care how many times you've been married. If you came into my office, I'm starting right where you're at. I'm not going to beat you over the head for number two, number three, number one. No, right where you're at. Let's rebuild this by principle so you can give it to your grandchildren and say, this is the original, honey. But my daddy had two wives and... Now, now I'm, my mommy's getting married again. I know. But this is the original. Doctrines. Changing another generation. I love my children to death. And they know it. And I certainly love my wife to death, and I'm hoping it is till death. But I am focused on my grandbabies. Because, see, they've already bought into some of my old lies. And those grandbabies are fresh. And I don't want to cause them to stumble. I'd rather have a milestone hung around my neck and have you toss me into a river. They're fresh. Don't cause a little one to stumble. And I understand why. So as a grandpa, I messed up with my, with my girls to a certain degree. I want to make sure I'm a whole lot cleaner when it comes to the grandbabies. So Christ is the model from whom, as the blueprint, the church is formed. He is her head, as the husband is the head of the wife. Here is the trinity of marriage. 
I think you have these diagrams in your in your manual. So you have God the Father, of course, and God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. And the Hebrew law requires that the firstborn son has to get married, gay or not. The reason why I put that in there, because through history you will find something very interesting, is that if a king had a gay son, Henry VIII, if you have a son who's gay, you st- he still has to marry. And what would be the obvious reasons? Yeah, lineage. Got to have another king. So he has to keep having children even though he's gay. Because we've got to have a lineage. Now see, the, the Hebrew law requires every firstborn male, second, third, fourth, I guess it's nice, but not as necessary. But the firstborn must get married. Why would that be different than Christ? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have always been there, at least that we know of. Why would he have to get married? Because the laws, uh, the Hebrew laws reveal the character of God and the structure of heaven. So when God came along and says, well, let us create them in our image, the image of the us, quote unquote. We were created in the image of the us. So, the next generation and many generations to come now provide, God does this creation thing for two primary reasons. One reason is, is to punish the enemy. I would have stuck Satan on Pluto. No, not only does he stick him on this beautiful planet, but this garden that's laid out, And then in the center of the garden is this tree of knowledge and sticks him in the tree of knowledge. Man, I was stuck him in another solar system or something. This is here to punish him. You guys know how the story is going to end. You already read the last paragraph. The globe is going to snap open. And all who defied or hurt the bride of Christ are going to fall into it. The earth, too, has to have three baptisms. Anything that has had life in it has to have three baptisms. Water, spirit, and fire. Flood, Christ being born, and the fire, damnation. Every human has to have water, spirit, fire. Three baptisms. Anything that had life in it has to have three baptisms. We're going to get a new earth. That's what he's preparing for us right now, this new earth. It's a beautiful deal, guys. Some will be rulers of nations and others will be doorkeepers. It's all built around these, these marriage principles. It's a very beautiful thing. So the other reason is to get a bride for his son. So all these generations start to be produced. So the process of finding the bride of the father saying to the son, Ralph's one of them. The father picks the bride. Says to his son, Ralph's one of them. Really? But he acts like a prostitute. Look at Hosea. I know. I know he's not real clean, but we'll take care of that later. Oh, okay. 
Ralph, you are one of my bridal members. <gasps> Instant humility. Instant brokenness. Because he touched us. But I'm so filthy. And you know, it's repenting. It's coming out of our mouth. Salvation. He goes, it's okay. I'm going to wash it all out. And take it all out of you. And when I'm done with you, we're going to have some fun. That's the that's my husband. I got selected. I don't know why. You don't know why. You got selected. We did. It's very chosen few. I think that's what the Bible says. I don't understand why, but I'm tell you what I'm. I'm overwhelmed that I was, and I don't get it when I look at what I have done. But he doesn't accept us based on sin or no sin. He knows Ralph's heart. That's what he's after. The kind of man he is. So the other parallel is this. is the trinity of the, uh, the us. God establishes the trinity of marriage on earth in preparation for marriage of his son. So you have Adam, you have Eve. So this is the verse I've been quoting about uh, we're no longer two but one. So we have Adam, we have Eve, and of course we have the the generations that came from them. So these future generations become potential bridal members. Now here's something that's very interesting, is that there are 200, supposedly, 225 names for Christ. And for those who do not know, the Hebrew and the Greek are, are divided up into masculine Hebrew words and feminine Hebrew words. Greek is the same way. As many languages are. Some of the latter languages like Latin and English, that wasn't the case anymore. But some of the original languages, they kept them separate. So you know who was being talked to. Now, there's 43 primary names for God the Father. And they're primarily parental names. That's kind of a duh. God the Father. The Holy Spirit didn't get any. Isn't that a little odd? See, that's not true. Comforter, nurturer, caretaker. I'm afraid if you look at those in the Greek, they're called adjectives. They're also called feminine Greek adjectives. The point? Quite simple. We're created in the image of the us. And the adjectives used to describe the Holy Spirit just happen to be the exact same adjectives to describe a woman. Well, that's a big deal to me. Now, the 225 names that Christ carries, 100% of them are masculine? Hmm. That's significant to me, and I want to get to know what every one of those names means because it's my character as a man. And the woman should get to know the characteristics of the Holy Spirit backwards and forward because it's her character. And you put this whole created in the image of the us thing together and you're going to understand marriage very, very quickly. And I never step over and take Christ's job. And he certainly expects out of me to respond as a woman. You see, because a woman is equals woman plus woman equals woman. So we have woman, bridal, which is feminine, female, Greek word, bride of Christ. Woman, 
creation equals woman. Now, men, on the other hand, are woman plus man equals man. So to and with Christ, I am to respond to him like a woman. But as a man on earth, 100% masculinity. Shooting, hunting, Harleys. 100%. No, get in touch with your feminine side. Nuh-uh. 100% on earth. But my relationship to Jesus Christ, he is a groom. I am a bridal member. Honey, I am clueless on how I'm supposed to respond to Christ. Oh, it's easy for me. You know why women pray quicker than men at mealtime and at bedtime with their children and read over their children and they grow faster spiritually and, 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 and you look at statistics in the church. I hate to use this statistic. It, it just absolutely drives me crazy. 86% of ministry within churches, although this is like five years old, so I don't know where it is today, is primarily run by ladies. Statistics show ladies' ministries is this much in a church and men's is about right here. See, I used to be insulted by that, but now I know why. Woman equals woman. She grows real fast. She gets it right away. You ladies that are sitting here going, oh, yeah, he's right. Yo, go with it. He's, you're, you're moving. And the guys are going, oh, man, you had me all the way up to that man plus woman plus I'm gone. Let's see, golfing at uh, what time are we going, Greg? We can go right now. This is a hard one. This concept does not come from me. It comes from the Hebrew. Although there is a theologian that kind of got a hold of this thing and had a sit down with me and said, you know, this is very old stuff, but it's not taught very much anymore. I suggest we do a couple things, which is what we're working on. Because it's very, very old. It's very, very biblical. You've been listening to A Counselor's Point of View. Our topic has been the Hebrew Covenant Marriage. If you're interested in listening to the full message, please log on to our website and click on our resource button and it will take you over to our bookstore and scroll down until you come to the CD package called Marriage Covenant Conference. Thank you for listening to our show today and feel free, by the way, to forward this message on to your friends and your family members. Until next time. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.